You're listening to The Perth Property Show, Australia's only weekly property podcast by West Australian experts for West Australian listeners. Catch your latest episode every Monday at 7am. Good morning, guys. Rise and shine. Welcome to another episode of The Perth Property Show. Today, it is half an hour of just yours truly. Trent Fleskins here, your host. As always, we are talking Q&A today. We've had quite a few emails, letters, phone calls start to pile up and as per last time, we thought we'd get cracking on answering them, not only for the questioners, but also to everyone else because probably a lot of other people out there asking or wondering the same questions. So we're going to get straight into it today. It's 100% Q&A. We're hearing from our listeners and we'll see if we can answer them as best as possible. Let's get cracking. The first question is, hi Trent, you've been delving into development and subdivision recently, which is fantastic, but I'd also like to hear about sustainable development options. Can you feature this at some point? That's from Mel. Mel, 100% fantastic question. Something that we've actually been looking into the last couple of weeks, trying to find that right expert who can not only come in for one episode, but be around for the foreseeable future, give their time up so that they can provide as much information about sustainable building products, energy efficiency ratings, how to meet those, how the councils are moving towards those and what those things are going to cost. So it is something we're certainly looking into. And I would simply say, keep a watchful eye or ear in this case out for that uh, episode to start popping up, sustainable development. Thanks, Mel. Uh, The next one we have is Will. Dear Perth Property Show, I'm currently working in the UK and will be back in 2022. I'm a first home buyer, but don't want to use my first home buyer stamp duty rate on this first purchase. I want it to be an investment property and I want to buy it before the market picks up too much. Couple of questions. Firstly, is it a good time to get in as a first time investor? Well, Will, thanks a lot for the question all the way from the UK. Appreciate you listening along every week. Mate, regardless of whether you're a first-time investor or a 10th-time investor, the market is indiscriminate on who you are. You really need to look at the stats. All well and good looking at median house prices for suburbs and cities. For me, I don't take too much heed of those numbers because they're easily skewed by volumes on either side of that median. For me, I focus on a couple of pieces of information and this might give you my answer at least. A year and a bit ago, stock on market level, so the amount of properties for sale on the market in Western Australia was sitting up at around 17,000 properties. Now, that was like that for the last few years, to be frank, anywhere between 17 and 19,000. The natural balance as we would have it, which has been as such for years, probably a good decade has always been around 12,500. That's that number where the market is neither growing nor uh, dropping as an average. Some sub-markets are growing, some sub-markets are still dropping. That number is 12,500. Now, coincidentally to this timing, our stock on market number just hit 12,500 in the last month. So it's important to recognize that. Firstly, it's our first indicator, stock on market numbers. Second, days on market. Days on market... That really represents the relationship between buyers and sellers, how quickly buyers are snapping up properties or rather than leaving them on the market and looking elsewhere. Now, we really want to see a suburb in particular sitting around 40 days on market before it really sees some serious growth and consistent growth. We've seen a lot of suburbs in the lower third of Perth be at 120 days on market. So that's four months before on average, it could be more, could be less before that property in those lower socioeconomic suburbs uh, would be selling. And there are suburbs still in that range. Of importance on average, 
that number has come down from the 80s into the 60s. So there are a lot more properties now hitting into the 40s. And in general, a lot of the lower socioeconomic struggling suburbs right now, they're starting to come down. So I would suggest that you keep watching that days on market number to get a good understanding on that side. Finally, an indicator that's a leading indicator, it's been leading for a good year and a half now, that's rental vacancy rates. Rental vacancy rates are sitting at 2.1% now. That's as low as it's been in my memory. Only two years ago, it was sitting up at 7.5%. So it has fallen drastically. It's the biggest swing indicator we've seen so far. That number is really demonstrating that a couple of years ago, you'd have a place up for rent and no one would come to an open. Now, people are booking opens outside of the regular Saturday morning schedule trying to get in. Now we're seeing rental properties that are being listed be hit up by 10, 15, 20 couples coming through uh, looking to lock that down. And just this week, Brooke, our settlement agent at Strategic, rented her property in the space of a couple of days to people who came through and offered $15 above her asking price. And that's a good anecdote that is happening across the board in Perth. My rental properties personally are also starting to rent it higher than they were in the last lease. So what we should be seeing there is exactly that. When the rental vacancy rate drops so low, there's more demand than there is supply for that product being a rental. And the suppliers, the landlords can start lifting their prices, which is the first time in a long time that we've had that comfortability to do so without feeling like we're going to lose tenants or sit vacant. So that's an important indicator because when rental prices start going up based on the vacancy rate being so low, a couple of things happen. Firstly, Tenants start to look elsewhere and enter the buying market as demand into the buying capital market because they figure they can pay less or the same to own their own house if they've been saving enough deposit along the way. And also investors start to be able to afford more to invest in new property because the proposed rent from valuation starts increasing as well. So that number also assists with the demand side, the capacity of demand on the buying side in the capital market, that values market as well. So that's the first point. I would look at those data points. And for me, that answer, along with a number of other uh, anecdotal piece of evidence that we have from our weekly agents coming in, the market really has moved since Christmas, to be frank. Your second question, guarantor loans. This is an interesting one. You've asked, can I essentially look for a guarantor loan? Is it something that will help me get into the market quicker? 100% will. If you've got that relationship with your parents, most likely who can put up the guarantee whilst you've got the servicing, that's how a lot of people have gotten into the market. If they've got strong and deliberate goals, that's how they've gotten into that market a lot quicker than they otherwise would have. Built equity either through a small development or through a good, strong, passive hold and positive cash flow coming through from that positively geared market we are now in as well. So if it is a goal of yours to get into the property market before you get back to Perth in a couple of years and you don't have the equity because you're young and you're still saving, then uh, having a chat to the parents about that is important. You need to make sure that you understand though that it does limit you to a couple of banks and generally it will limit you to the bank your parents currently have a loan with if they have a loan, okay? So generally that sits with the big four banks which is and there's nothing wrong with that. Third part to this four-part question is, what are your thoughts on Metronet and how it will affect suburbs like Forestfield, High Wycombe and Canningvale? Well, I guess I was on the bandwagon quite early about Metronet and how the train stations popping up around the airport and Ranford Road area will affect these suburbs. Now, with delays, obviously, in Metronet, we've seen that pushing back to being ready next year in the airport district around Forestfield, High Wycombe. 
I would suggest that if your budget sits around the 300s, there's probably not a better suburb in Perth to be investing in and probably High Wycombe. The train station is in High Wycombe. The houses in High Wycombe are mostly double brick, built in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, so they're pretty strong. But just recognize that if you're looking to maybe one day do a development or a subdivision on those properties, the city of Kalamunda's criteria in the town planning scheme is horrendously punitive and costly. So you really want to do your homework there. Canning Vale is a totally different kettle of fish here. That's an established suburb. Prices can be anywhere from the 400s up to the $900,000 mark. Big homes, rather large blocks, not really any opportunity for development, but certainly good family passive holds where once that train station comes in, it really rounds out all the offerings that a suburb needs, connection to the city being the final one. So I would suggest that Canning Vale at a higher price point uh, as a passive hold with regards to Metronet, certainly going to be one of the leading suburbs out of the southeast. Finally, what are your thoughts on Armidale? Prices are quite low and I was wondering if that affordability would in some way see growth in the future. Look, for me, Armidale will be the last suburb of suburbs to see growth and it will be years away. What we've unfortunately seen in a suburb like Armidale where properties are selling in the $90,000 marks we've seen last year, which is you know, ridiculous. That's way below build cost, way below land cost, a total destruction of the market in that Armidale, Kelmscott, Camillo, Seville Grove area. So the reason for that is because this recession in prices has dropped so far for so long, it's the lower side of the market that is the most vulnerable with regards to LVR and equity position. And when it keeps dropping so far, $150,000, $200,000, and your house was only worth four hundred at the peak, your house is now essentially worth, worth less than the loan you had. You can't sell, you can't refinance, and people in that area who generally, and like most suburbs, like to stay in their area, also don't have equity or savings to buy what you've got. So it will be a continually, unfortunately, a continual cycle uh, until at some point incomes rise in that local area. So whilst it is quite cheap, in Armidale and that surrounding area, certainly not a suburb that I will be investing in for those socioeconomic reasons, unfortunately. It's past the precipice, in my opinion, that we have not seen before in uh, Western Australia. And finally, Will, on that, you're obviously in the UK. You really need to make sure you're with the right bank when it comes to having your income assessed, being you would probably be making pounds. In that case, really the only bank that I'd be looking to would either, oh, there'd be two banks. One would be CBA and maybe another might be HSBC. These guys on a foreign income level are probably the best bet you're going to have to be able to buy property in Perth with non-Australian dollars. Mate, good luck and great to have someone listening in from the UK at such a young age. Next question is from Stephen. Hi Trent, is there anything you can do to get finance if you've just started a new business? Can I use my old salary from last year? Hi Stephen, thanks for the question mate. Unfortunately, the answer is at the moment, no. Once you start a new business, you have a new ABN, you have a new GST registration, banks will want to see two years of existence, not even two years of income, but two years of existence for starters of your ABN and your GST registration. And then they'll want to see uh, a couple of years of income. Now, that's the top level banks. If you are desperate to get into a purchase within that two-year space, you can look to a third tier lender like a Pepper, for example, before you've got your second tax return come in with all of your uh, notices of assessments and they will give you higher interest rate loans based on two bazes, your last two bazes. So 
if you're really desperate to get in the market for a particular purpose, you've found a great property to buy and you're still within that time frame of not having your second income tax return, then a bank at the level of Pepper or Resimac, one of those third tier lenders might be for you. Just make sure you understand that there are a lot of fees, uh, a lot more than with the big four bank, for example, and your interest rates will be a lot higher, possibly in the 5%, which on a broader spectrum of time isn't that high. But uh, compared to these days when you can get in the twos is a big difference. Question number four. Hi team, just about to finish a development. What are your thoughts on property staging? Is it worth the cost? Amanda, we've had Kelly Donoher in from 13 Interiors. I would highly suggest uh, you listen to those segments if you haven't already before. If you have, I would suggest that the answer from those segments really is yes, it's worth it. For the three to $5,000 that you might spend making these homes, these units, these villas really pop, broadening the imagination of buyers really as to how good these things can look. Really, I would expect to see that negotiation power of yours increase by a multitude of three to $5,000 over and above what you otherwise would have gotten if you hadn't staged those properties with really nice furniture. If you're doing a triplex, it might just be one or two of those properties and you can move them along and sell as you go, but certainly see some value in that space. We're certainly interested in that space from our side at least. Thanks, Amanda. Next question we have is Danielle. Hi, Trent. I want to start in property development, but finding it hard to pull the trigger. It's a big step from owning my own home. Do you have any advice? Danielle, this is a question we get a lot. It's a, it's a sentiment we feel a lot with first-time investors coming into our office. Mate, the first thing that I would suggest is whether it's a property development or it's getting into shares or fine art, you really need to understand your market. And by that, I mean, if you have a strong enough understanding, an intimate enough understanding of the asset you're investing in, you should therefore have a pretty good perspective as to whether you believe the market is a seeing value, which might be hard if you haven't got experience over years and years to compare to, but you need to look at those data points I was answering Will's question about, but also having a longer term view than any other thing. With stocks, for example, you've got the ability to buy in and out in the space of a day. Transaction costs aren't so high. With property, you really want to be in this for a minimum a couple of years on a development and possibly even for 10 to 20 years if it's a development that turns into a passive hold. So, in this space, I would suggest before you think about property development, you need to be comfortable with the market you're developing in. And I don't just mean the Perth market, I mean the sub-market being the suburb that you're looking to develop in. Understand the numbers. And even if an opportunity came up where the numbers worked perfectly, you still want to make sure you're investing in a market you're comfortable is on the way up and not the way down. If you believe that there's still risk in the market of this suburb, whether it's for global reasons or for local reasons, then you just wouldn't invest in it. And there's no problem with waiting and being patient in that space. However, if you do believe that the horse is starting to bolt or the whole horse at least is starting to trot and you've got the money, you've got the means, you've got the ambition and the focus, then I would suggest in terms of property development where prices on development blocks are starting to rise and build costs are as low as they've ever been, it really couldn't be a better time to at least invest into a development or a project that you believe in. So from that perspective, very much need to make sure that you are separating the idea of house as a home and house as an investment and treat that property development like any other investment that you would compare or do your numbers on. Thanks for that, Danielle. Okay, Chris. Hi, guys. We have just inherited a property from our mum passing and it's a development block. Should we develop or sell? Chris, thanks for the question, mate. 
This is an interesting one, obviously not knowing what the property is. I won't be able to tell you an answer to that, but I'll give you some parameters as to what might help you answer your own question. Okay, so you've got a property that I would suggest is fully paid off. You're sitting on a few hundred thousand dollars, whatever that is, of, uh, of equity. You've either got the opportunity, if it is a development block, to realize the full potential of that block and the full profit of that block if you're up for it with regards to the time, the stress, the involvement and the investment of more debt. The other side of the coin is you can simply sell. There's nothing wrong with selling if your goals aren't to maybe maximize returns in terms of profit and you just want to move on with your life. Just because you could doesn't mean you should. Okay, so firstly, you need to understand personally where your daily priorities are and then where your risk factors sit your risk tolerances. And if you do come to a point where you realize, look, now we're, we're keen to make as much money as we can out of this and then move on, the answer would then be you need to do your pre-feasibilities. And it's easy to, I guess, do pre-feases by looking on realestate.com, what's on the market right now. You really need to be looking at one finished, sold properties that are very comparable to yours in the area in the last six to 12 months. Uh, that's going to be a good conservative outlook because from most people's perspectives, the last six to 12 months have been the worst time to sell uh, that we've had so far at least. So it'll be good to stay comparing against those numbers in terms of your revenue. Uh, in terms of your costs, you really need to be understanding what it is your development strategy is. Is it simply to do a subdivision, split land off and sell? In that case, you can see a project manager in subdivision to get an understanding of what those costs will be. If it is to build, then you can go to a reputable builder in conjunction with a project manager in that development space to really understand what those prices for a triplex, a duplex, a quad, whatever it is you, you believe that the most profitable outcome is, would cost you. Make sure you're including holding costs here, tax implications, selling costs, all of those costs come together. In a lot of cases, what you're probably going to make out of this might be a little less than what you first thought on the back of the envelope, but doing the numbers will give you the best outcome. So really, if you can ascertain that you can make a profit from doing a development and you do have the appetite to go through that process, then really the answer is the time would be now. If you don't believe that you've got the appetite to go through all of that stress, all that time and possible market risk that you're putting yourself into for the next year and a half, and there really is, is no shame in selling now and, and moving on with your life. Thanks, Chris. Okay, question seven. We are talking to Adam. Hello, what are your thoughts on options if I only have limited funds? Adam, good question. We get that question a bit. I am very staunch against the idea of options, and I'll tell you why. We have a lot of cowboys coming across from Queensland and New South Wales selling this idea of options and how it made them millions of dollars putting an option on a petrol station and next minute it was a 20-story apartment building and they made millions of dollars selling out the option. I've never seen it. I've heard about it through these road shows when I was younger, but I've never seen this be possible or even something that people would consider in Western Australia. I think we're a lot less tolerant to cowboys in Western Australia and those sort of ideas and therefore most selling agents certainly won't be happy with it and most sellers, especially if they've got an intention to sell, won't be too happy with an option that locks them in to letting you do what you want to do for the next 6 to 12 months to try and find someone else who can buy it for more for a nominal five or $10,000 payment to them. They want to sell because they want to move on with their life. And if they haven't got the property up for sale and you've knocked on their door, most people will be too skeptical these days in this age of information to even entertain your ideas or your few thousand dollars of options. So I don't mean to poo-poo your thoughts. I hope you haven't spent thousands of dollars on a 
education course, if you can call it that, from Queensland about options. But I certainly don't see it being a realistic uh, option for investment in Western Australia anytime soon. Unfortunately, the property development space is one where you need to have a certain amount of money to make a certain amount of money more. And if you don't, I would suggest patience. I would suggest something like Will was interested in, which is guarantor loans with their parents or possibly working together in a JV with someone who do, does have the equity but might need your servicing if that's what you can bring to the table. It is very much a case of being quite a complex and a risky venture in the first place. I would suggest that it is something that you would want to take on yourself and see uh, the benefits of through that whole process rather than trying to trade in and out of other people's properties. Last question for the day. This one is from Cyril. Cyril uh, has a very short question. It simply says, thoughts on country towns, are they worth the gamble? Great question because it's very timely. Of interest with regards to the last three months of data up to December, so the December quarter data, of the top 14 properties in terms of sales growth numbers for the last three months, seven of them were from country towns. The top two were in Karatha. And of the top 30 for the last 12 months, 14 of them were from country towns. So there's definitely been a canary in the coal mine effect going on in country towns, especially through the southwest and through the Pilbara, not so much through the Midwest or the goldfields. These suburbs in these local towns are seeing growth based on the mining industry, especially the iron ore industry, the gas industry, and also the small amount of supply, I guess you would say, that's on the market in the southwest. So 100%, it's something that we've been looking into. And is it worth the gamble? Well, it just depends what your strategy is. If you think you might be looking to get in and out over a couple of years, well, uh, these properties are still selling for what is mostly a lot less than Perth. Uh, it might be something that you would be interested in based on a yield play in terms of a very positive return on a monthly basis from rent or simply looking at it and going, geez, there's a, lo- a long way to go in this country town before it gets back to replacement value for a new house. And that's something that I guess I'll focus on with this question. In any asset class, an asset is by definition undervalued if it is selling on a market cheaper than it would cost to replace it and build a new one next door. Why is that important? What that means is people will continue to buy those properties and see value in those properties and suck up the supply of those properties with demand until it gets to a point that it is just as expensive or just as cheap to go and build a new one next door. And at that point, that is the first point where there will be any more supply in that market and a new property will be built. And from that position, the market starts to balance out and you really need to have a lot more factors to bring that market through with more growth. But until that point, what we're seeing in places like Karatha is it costs 700 and something thousand dollars to build a house and really nothing's being built unless it's for their own home. What people are doing are literally just buying established property uh, because they see it as good value. They don't see value in building a new one or adding any more supply. And there are more people and more people every day as the jobs increase up there buying property. So uh, until that point, the market will just balance out until it gets up to the 700s, in my opinion, uh, or until the cost of building comes down or until supply increases, which is what they're trying to do up with the local government there by building a whole bunch of new houses with local government money. Or to what space for me, it's something where a lot of people have already gotten in because the yields there are also pretty ridiculous uh, as well. Karatha has been the number one uh, rental growth in the last three months to, to December. It was a $126 increase per week in that quarter. 
which is nuts when you compare it to Perth, which has been sitting steady even though rental vacancy rates are down at 2.1%. I hope that information has helped today, guys. It's eight questions from eight Abbott listeners who have all got their own backgrounds and hopefully that relates to a lot of you listening as well. If you'd like any more information or you'd like to ask any further questions for our next Q&A session, which will be in the next couple of months, email in to us, give us a call, visit the website and next week we'll be back with our subdivision and development schedules and a brand new suburb. It will be Redcliffe. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Perth Property Show. If you've only just joined the conversation, you can catch up by heading over to our website, perthpropertyshow.com.au, subscribing to the podcast or joining our Facebook page. Don't forget to tune in next Monday at 7am for more expert insights, local analysis and suburb spotlights. Happy hunting!